You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit instant reaction. We're rolling the recorder right now. Uh, I've been told Ryan Matthews might join us in a second, so we might have to like start it over again. This is off the cuff, and oh my goodness, we're going crazy already. Uh, what a night for the Detroit Lions. They move to 3-1, and one, take first place in the NFC North, and they do it in resounding fashion in Lambeau. Four straight now against the Green Bay Packers. I think Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader and and man who, in spite of that name, usually has a lot of fear. Uh, we can put this one to bed about the Packers. I don't think they're having three straight Hall of Famers. Maybe it's early on Jordan Love. They vexed him pretty well. In spite of a very queasy third quarter, including a play that uh, absolutely 100% should not have happened. This is the only time I will talk about officiating somehow still made the Packers look pedestrian. And as much as they tried on the broadcast to will life back into this game, the Packers have come back before the season. It can happen. They shut them down all the same. They shut them down all the same. And this Pat and this Lions defense looked probably the most impressive. It's looked all, all year so far. Yeah. When they were mounting that comeback, um, they, you're right. Like uh, I think Al Michaels was trying to like rile up a, a comeback narrative and then there was one very potent line from Kirk Herbstreet mm-hmm. because he said last week, you know, they had the 17 point comeback against the Falcons. Kirk Herbstreet responds. Different team. It's 100 percent a different team. And give the credit to those guys because they are giving credit that this Lions team is very different. You know, what's Thanks. also different. You know, you, you, do you know, what's also different, Jeremy? What's, what's that? How many Lions fans are in the stands there after the game? <laughs> I think they just said on the broadcast, I'm. Not sure if we're not quite in Detroit. Uh, you guys are doing Lions fans. I'm speaking directly to the Lions fans. You guys are doing things that I associate with like the Red Wings of the 2000s oh, showing yeah. up and taking over stadiums. Yep. 
that I mean, listen, people are excited and rightfully so, man. This is this is a good football team. And I know some people, including myself, got a you know, the heart got a little racing in the There's second a half. Acid reflux there. Yes, yeah. for sure. But like you don't dominate a team like the Lions did in that first half of the game unless you are a very, very talented team and far more talented than the team you're facing. Remember, this game started with a Jared Goff interception. You might like you might have forgotten that they it couldn't have started worse for the offense. And that half ends by you outgaining them by 200 yards. You getting a you carrying a 24 point lead into halftime. I'm sorry. That doesn't happen a lot in the NFL. Not every team can be the Miami Dolphins hanging 70. And, and for a while, it looked like the Lions were about to. And I saw and Lions listen, fans wanting it. I saw them wanting it. And if, if there's anybody that feels even a little bit of anxiety or worry that that the Packers came back in this game, I'm telling you, don't. That's how that's that's usually how the NFL works. You do not hang on to a three score lead and make it a six score lead in the second half. I mean, the Lions won by two scores still. Yeah. And and again, like it it feels. I will not I you know how much I hate talking about the officiating. There was the free play there. And I'm sure at some point the NFL will have to look at that. And there's no way they can change that rule this year. There will be a memo probably to officials like, Hey, don't let this go. Don't let this happen because there's no way to review it of legally by the rules. There's no way to review what happened there. Uh, I don't buy a lot of the other flags. I thought the lions came out of the half playing very sloppy, but you're right. That first half should have shown you everything you need to know about the Detroit lions. They were dominant. They knew how to get to the Packers. They knew how to rattle the cage of Jordan love. They knew how to beat a Packers defense that people have been lauding very well in the first three games here. So it, it felt like, all right, they have that DNA in them. It would take something miraculous to lose. And I know we're conditioned as lions fans to think don't count the miraculous, but what do we, what do you keep saying, Jeremy, about comfortable being uncomfortable? This is the way you win, man. Like there was no contest at the end. I know Lions fans had the acid reflux going and everything. Keep looking at the scoreboard. Keep looking at the time. Even when the Packers scored to cut it to a two, uh, a, a two score game. I mean, and the Lions had a possession after that. It was still, even before that penalty on Quay Walker on the field goal, they still shaped seven minutes off the clock. This was yeah. going nowheresville. Yeah. I mean, I will say like, Maybe the the turning point back in the Lions' favor was John Kaminsky stopping that two point conversion that would have made it an eight point game, would have made it a one score game mm-hmm. early in in the fourth quarter. Uh, after that, it was all Lions again, though. After that, all Lions, and so the Packers really had a stretch of one quarter and maybe one or two minutes into the fourth quarter, and an extra second in the third. You know, they had fifteen oh one in the in the third quarter. Um, the Lions dominated essentially for three quarters of this game. They walked away with a comfortable lead, a comfortable win. And and man, like I think I think we have to give it up to the defense again in this one. And and we'll we'll talk plenty about the offense a little bit. But when you're talking about how this game started, when you were talking about how this Packers offense was being raised up, this offensive line, even without I know they didn't have Bakhtiari, I know they didn't have Elgin Jenkins, they didn't have either of those guys last week, and they still had that big comeback. PFF is rating this the number one offensive line in the league after last week, despite all those injuries. And the Lions went and just bullied them, absolutely bullied them all freaking night. Again, 
no running game to speak of for the Packers. What they finish with 2.2 yards per carry or something. Yeah, like that? And I'm sure I'm Nothing. sure the Packers fans will say they keep putting in the wrong back as they were playing a lot of AJ Dillon, who yeah, has yeah, your e- but, but like, you're easing back yeah. your guy with a hamstring injury. Right? Sure. I mean, what no, do you want? Uh, understood. Understood. But by the way, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones both had the same number of carries in this game. 18 yards for Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, 11 yards on five carries each. So that means, and I know they're mostly more passing guys. And I think there was like one, there was only one Aaron Jones reception for like minus four yards, which means that they're both about the same guy. So even the complaints that you're running the wrong back, you're right. The Lions shut down their running backs and that was most of their offense. Hello, Ryan. How we doing? Hi, I'm doing well. I'm not going to. Oh, I thought I thought you jumped in there. Out. So I wanted you to say your piece. But uh, no, the, the Jeremy only, had a thought and then I'll let yeah, Ryan give his. The only thing I want to cap the defensive performance with outside of all the sacks, outside of all that. The reason the Lions were able to score 27 points in the first half is because the defense gave the offense seven possessions in the first half. Seven. Three and out after three and out after three and out. After no first downs, no first downs. Just keep giving the ball back to your offense. And the line scored on five of seven possessions. So like that is complimentary football to a T. Your defense is just like, hey, offense want the ball? Offense like, sure, yeah, let's run it in the end zone. That sounds cool. Cool. We got a 24-point lead at halftime. Like that was the most dominant first half of football I've seen the Lions play in a very, very long time. And it, it kind of felt like a culmination of, of really the first three games where we saw flashes of the defense. We saw flashes of the offense. That was two of them working together in perfection. And there was no way Green Bay was ever going to come back from that. Yeah. OK, so that's a great point to like underscore and bold and put exclamation points at the end for sure, Jeremy, because. If you have a Lions football team that's operating like that on all cylinders, then all of a sudden you're talking about a team that is making its jump to the Pantheon, right? Yes. Like if if you can, even if you can have a game where three out of four quarters that's happening, right? Like that that's kind of like the next step for them too, right? Like, and I, I mean, the fourth quarter was pretty decidedly theirs. Like, you know, the offense was able to do whatever it wanted. And that's why... And, and maybe I don't know if you guys talked about this yet, but that's why I was totally fine with the offense trying to drive them, uh, draw the Packers offsides and then settling for the field goal because you you go up by 13. Right. Like, I, I know that you can get it and you can effectively end the game, but I think the Lions knew how well they were playing on offense, that if they got the ball again and they were up two scores there, there, there wasn't a yeah, I mean, two touchdowns, if, if they were up two touchdowns. They, they knew they were going to be just fine, like if they got the ball back because they were moving it at will in the fourth quarter. It's, you know, the third quarter, I, it'll be an interesting thing to study. You know what I it's mean? It's third of quarter the offense. all over again. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, last week it was it was the penalties, right? It was getting behind the sticks and it was it was some of that in, in the Atlanta game. I think in this game is a little bit different. And also they played, you know, 15 minutes and one second in the third quarter. So. <laughs> Why is that not reviewable? Why uh, yeah, is that I, not reviewable? We, we, because I, you're going to break. But this is it time out anyways? But Ryan, isn't it isn't it relieving that the Lions got screwed by didn't the matter. refs? And, and it's it's going to be like the tenth biggest storyline of this game because it didn't matter because the Lions still won by two scores. Yeah, I it, it's not reviewable. You can't fix that this year, and I'd rather just not worry about that too much because like you got past it, and I don't like talking about officiating. Their hands were tied there. They they made the wrong call. Like it's hard. It's hard, man. This my my dad does officiating for golf. One thing I've learned very quickly watching him, this is all very very hard. And yeah, they're paid well, but they're like part time. So like, I, I, 
Why do, how'd we get here? How'd we get here? My point <laughs> is that to Jeremy's thing, I mean, to, to what you're saying, Ryan, I saw a lot, I, you know, I, a lot of people who have no ties to this team whatsoever, national people who are as smart as Lions fans when it comes to understanding football. Everyone in this country is smart at football. If you are invested in the NFL, you are smart at football. I don't like you can have some dumb opinions, but people know what they're watching usually. And those unaffiliated neutral people have now had two games in primetime of the Detroit Lions and they're buying in. And it's not just the hype. It's what you saw tonight, which was, yeah, though that O-line and D-line are dominant. Ali McNeil has taken another uh, yeah. took a great step forward in this game with a back to back tackle for loss straight into a sack. Like this offensive line, I know it was a little rough for Taylor Decker coming back, but is still very good and is still opening up holes for short yardage passing and for David Montgomery to just straight run over people. They know what they're watching. They know that they see the the blueprint that Dan Campbell's promised. And like a lot of Lions fans, they know it's not smoke and mirrors. This is a different Lions team. And they asserted their will on the Packers in the first half. It's why I wasn't worried at all about any kind of comeback because it's like, you did that. Yeah. And like you got a, like you got a little third quarter in you, but that's OK. You're, you're those kind of deep shots are going to happen every now and then you're going to take some penalties. That's something the Lions should probably clean up here later in the later in the season. Like there are still a lot of holding calls being called on the Lions. They get called on everyone, but still you got to clean that up. But 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 the, the secondary reinforcements are coming, right? Like yes. Kirby Joseph is coming back. Emmanuel we'll Mosley to- is coming back. In good time, too, we'll have to see how this Brian Branch injury plays out. It seems like he's just dealing with something around his ankle, but hopefully it's nothing too serious. And Barnes, from what I understand, just was just cramping during the game. Yeah. And he came back in. So, yeah. Yeah. And 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 to take your point a little bit further, too, like this team is built to play with leads. Like, I know, again, it, it, y- y'all probably freaked out a little bit. I, I certainly did a little bit as well, but. This team can pound the rock. And and it seems to me that they get better running the ball as the game goes on. They really seem to successfully wear down opponents. And you saw that in this game. The Lions finished with 211 rushing yards and they got 90 of that in the second half. And and to me, it was just like they they were getting like five yard chunks at a time every single time. Dave Montgomery finishes with 100 yards for the first time in his Lions career. Three at a carry. The Lions had over five yards of carry in this game. Uh, it, I think they got a couple kneel downs that, that sent them to four and nine, but, but like, that's, that's what the lions want to do at the end of games. They want to physically dominate you. And really they did it from front to back. There were some times in which the run game wasn't as explosive as you think you want it to be, but against a Packers team that is not very good at stopping the run, the Lions did exactly what they should do. And that's run out the clock in the second half. Yeah. And, and I think also to the running game too, you know, when I think in the offseason, when a lot of people looked at David Montgomery's numbers and aside from the missed tackles forced and aside from, you know, the yards after carry, I think a lot of people um, or, or, or yards after contact. I mean, because when when you looked at his stats in the offseason, I think a lot of people said, well, his yards per carry is so low, right? His yards per carry is so low in this game. Like you said, Jeremy, three point eight. But I think it's just that bruising physical style that I don't yep. think defenses want to play against. So. That's the most important thing I think to keep in mind as as people kind of get worried about like Gibbs usage, so to speak, right, that this football team, first and foremost, wants to tire out their opponent. And Mm -hmm. uh, should any of that come to a shock 
to, to any of us because that has been Dan Campbell's message from literally day one that yeah. they are going to they're going to drag you into the abyss. They are going to, you know, they're going to wear you down so much and they're going to take all the abuse, too. But guess what? It's Dave Montgomery for four yards. It's, it's Dave Montgomery for four yards. It's it's a three yard play that's executed to perfection. And then, oh, it's another first down. And we have to deal with David Montgomery again for another two downs. So I don't want people to get too caught up in the run, run, run kind of thing or the run, run on first and second down in the second half because they had the Packers exactly where they wanted them on offense. There's no reason to to throw the ball. And, I, and the one thing I thought they were really, really good at, and I'll get I'll let you get to it, Chris, is third and shorts. Third and shorts, which I think had plagued this team a ton. They missed Monty, right? They missed Monty. They missed Monty. And and Monty comes back, and and I think he was a force in that, and the Lions dialed a couple pass plays too, but that kept drives alive. I, I feel like the Lions must have had at least four or five or six drives that went five-plus minutes and just drained clock. And and though they didn't finish everyone with a touchdown, uh, they usually got points out of it, and that's just that's demoralizing. It, it tires out your defense so that at the end of the game, you can close it out. It... Uh, I'm trying to remember my point now. It's oh, yeah. So no, 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 it's fine. I, all I was going to say is that to Ryan's point, everything that people memed on Dan Campbell about way back. It's like he's, he's doing ex- exactly what he said he was going to do. And I think that's what's made him remarkable as a coach in these regards. Like it's and, not and just everybody people, heard people, him as a meathead, right? Yeah. Well, everyone, I think after the meathead thing wore off, that's like, all right, he's good at motivating his guys. He's good at at speaking. Yeah, but it's more than that. Like Jeremy just talked about putting the Packers exactly where they want him. He knows what's working against teams like this. He knows how to beat a team like the Packers. And he's rolling together after talking with his coordinators, the game plan he wants. And they just they do what they want on the team. They had the Packers right where they wanted him them the entire time. Like and maybe nothing more like there was no chance after Quay Walker made that dumbass penalty, (laughs) which then went from three points to we'll just put another seven on it. No problem. Like they it was over after that. What even any it was over before that. But any glimpse of hope that Al Michaels might have had to maybe turn this into an interesting, competitive Thursday night football game, which he gets precious few of went out the window after that happened, because that's the kind of ball like. The mistakes the Packers made outweighed the mistakes the the Lions made, and that's ultimately what goes into winning a football game. Uh, Let's take a quick break here. Uh, Oh, yeah. Finish up, Ryan. Let me take a quick break here. I want to do a segment, too, and I want to bring Hamza in as well. Okay, he can probably take my spot. I'm going to bounce. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. The the only thing to your point, Chris, I don't know if it's so much about mistakes as it is after that Quay Walker mistake. Dan Campbell makes the decision, right? Like, yes. Oh, it goes for it. goes for it. So, so instead of kicking the field goal, right, they kick the field goal. And instead of that, when it's fourth and one, and it is time for you to call a game, you don't back down. Like you could have been justified kicking the field goal for the same exact reason because you burned an extra two minutes of time off the clock. But no, like he made the right decision. Whether or not they got it, it is relevant. Like Dan Campbell made that decision because he's a guy who just, he understands it. Josh McDaniels would have kicked a field goal. We know that. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break because I do want this post game to be at least two segments. Jeremy's got to bounce. Hamza Bakush might be taking a spot here in a second. Um, so give me a second. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit PewDiePie cast.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride to Detroit POD cast post game show back again. Uh, we've replaced Jeremy Reisman with Hamza Bakush at Hamza POD, a uh, step up when it comes to at least discussing one third of the game that Jeremy does not discuss because yes, special teams is one third of the game. Damn but now right. we're going to that now we're going to talk about first off where we talk about individual performances, Hamza, just your overall thoughts from this game, what it means, biggest takeaways, what have you. Uh, you know, uh, former Pride of Detroit member Mansoor Shaheen talked about this before the game on Twitter. He said, uh, you know, people, everyone likes to throw around the must-win game. But he, I think he put it really well. He said, uh, you know, it's not necessarily must-win, but if you want to be a contender, this is the expectation. If you want to run the division, this is a game you show up in Lambeau, you take care of business, leave no no stone unturned. And I think the Lions did exactly that. Um, you know, not not much more you could really ask for, bar special teams, we'll get to that. Um was was really impressed top to bottom. Uh, the good players made good plays. The players who struggled made bounce back plays today. I mean, talk about Jerry Jacobs. I think last week I took some flack for throwing stock up on him. I thought he did better than week two. Um, but this week there was no doubt on that. He, he really showed that, you know, um, he was able to bounce back. Uh, we got to see more of Cam Sutton. Really like to see him. And I feel like he's making uh limited plays here and there, but he's not a liability in coverage and he's shown up and run support. That's all you can ask. Um, you know, continue to be impressed by Tracy Walker coming back. Uh, very excited for him to finally get his hands on a pick. It's a matter of when, not if. Uh, Ali McNeil's continued emergence. Isaiah Bugs getting a sack. I mean, what more can a man want? It's a good game start to finish. I enjoyed it and I'm impressed. Let's talk about yeah. some of those play. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry, go on, Ron. No, I, I, we need to circle, highlight, uh, exclamation point. And I know I said that last segment, but all these things deserve that, including Aiden Hutchinson. Like, I mean, this next gen stat posted career highs in pressures with eight pressure rate with twenty one point one percent, you know, got a sack and a half tonight. Hutchinson has generated at least five quarterback pressures in six games going back to week 14 of twenty twenty two. So every game this season, this guy's been playing like an elite guy. And I'll, I'll say it, Chris, like I didn't know that this was the ceiling for Hutch. No, and, and there might even, be more. Think, there there might more, be more. There's more. Well, here's the here's here's what I found impressive about that too. This first half, the Lions weren't blitzing. Mm -hmm. I forget the stat they had, but like I think it was pressure rate. Yeah, forty five percent pressure rate, no blitzes. Ryan, they're relying on Aiden Hutchinson, and after a point, Green Bay started throwing the house at him to stop him from from going after Jordan Love. And there was that point where he should have probably had the safety sack on Jordan Love, but I think he was just more surprised than anything that Jordan hadn't thrown away. 
by then and didn't really bring the full house on him. But it was I I I said it week one that I expect all pro things out of him. Maybe I don't know if he's going to get there just given some other performances, but he is absolutely a force that is anchoring this this Lions uh this uh Lions line to do pretty much everything from Aline McNeil to others and we'll get to all of those in a second including one guy who I know um who I know we're going to talk about uh but uh yes Hamza Hamza you wanted to get something in here yeah um so I, I think you touched on it before of uh expecting Jordan Love to throw the ball away something I just I, I wanted to point out I think the difference We've seen weeks two and one versus week three and four is the same amount of pressure. It feels like, and they're just getting home to me. What it seems like is you have young and experienced quarterbacks and it just seems like they're holding onto the ball a second longer than Mahomes does or a second longer than a veteran like Gino does. And I like a, a part of me is so excited about what we've seen the last two weeks, especially tonight. But another part of me is also questioning, is this sustainable? Is there some fundamental changes taking place or is this just a product of, facing quarterbacks who are young and hold onto the ball maybe a little bit longer and aren't up to speed of the game that a lot of quarterbacks are. It's, it's a problem I noticed in college too, while doing some college scouting, like Shadur Sanders, I know as has also big problem at holding onto the ball. I think it's something you have to learn when you have an NFL defense barreling your way. But uh, Ryan, I think we can all agree. The next one up speaking about people who have just continued to wow um, Ryan branch we keep talking about him. We'll have to see how the injury progresses. But I think there was a difference when Branch was on the field on on the place he was making. Yeah. Remember, the Packers traded the 45th, the 45th pick in the draft to the Detroit Lions and, and the Lions took Brian Branch. So who should have probably gone uh, earlier, but the Lions were still able to get him anyway. Yeah. Just a gift that keeps on giving. And, you know. He probably played like five minutes too long in this game because I don't know why there was any reason he should have been in a football game where the Lions were up by 17 with under five minutes to go with, you know, more tape on that ankle than than, you know, the entire Red Wings stick department. Like, uh, here's the thing. If he keeps stacking games like this, you're talking about the defensive rookie of the year. You really are. Because you might be talking about all pro, too. It's not just in one phase. You know what I mean? Like he's not just like a really good run defender. He's good in coverage. And like he is the poster child going forward for the NFL in terms of there's play speed and there's time speed. And I don't know why anybody at the combine should have been worried about a guy who got 14 tackles for loss in his final year at Alabama. The guy's instincts are off the chart and his play speed is just, it's different. Like, he knows where to be. He's he's almost always in position. And this guy's a rookie. Yeah. I think you know I what I mean? I, like I, the line, the Lions had him play a few snaps against the, the Giants in preseason. Yeah. And, and I then think they're like, no, we're good. That all pro you know. thing. I know I just I have now tossed out two different Lions for all pro. I don't think either of them will get home, but it does. I feel like the path, at least for Brian Branch, that thing makes more sense that, you know, he's a nickel. Like, I don't know what his competition is, and already he's playing out of his mind as a nickel corner. I think it's really impressive, too, when you consider, like, he's making all these plays, and it's not just from one position. Yes, he comes down and runs support, goes back in coverage, does everything in between. But, like, we saw him line up as a linebacker, like a true, like, you know, behind the defensive lineman linebacker. We see him all the way on the back end. I mean, he can come off the edge and play the flat and, I mean, play the seam. It's 
Like the fact that he can't just, it's not just he can do it all, but he can line up anywhere. That's a huge component of how you play. And when you look at players who are successful in doing that, um, one that comes to mind, different position, but similar uh, build is Fred Warner. And Kyle Shanahan has talked about, um, and maybe it was Robert Sala as well, or, or D'Amico Ryans, I'm getting them mixed up. Um, one of them talked about this past offseason, how they let Fred Warner um, kind of line up sometimes safety, sometimes linebacker to get good vision of the field and understand what he's seeing before he goes back into the, wherever he's supposed to line up. The fact that Brian branch is doing all this processing from different levels of the defense, like you both said this early in his career with a couple snaps is absolutely absurd. Like the, the mental processing is off the chart. He's got to be the smartest player on that back end. He just knows he just has this preternatural ability to see how the play is, is developing and knows where exactly to apply that pressure. Like it's, oh, it's yeah. very fun. Um, I think we could give a proper stock up Ryan to, I mentioned him earlier, Aleem McNeil, who the lions have really hoped to be that anchor piece in the middle of the line to do things on run game. And I, I mentioned earlier, he had a tackle for loss and then immediately followed up with a sack. I think he's very much so improved, probably the most improved player in between uh, seasons, if not games right now, and uh, definitely helping out what, what the what the Lions need for pressure up the middle. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly did have a tough game against the Seahawks. Like uh, him and Benito Jones had games that they needed to forget. Mm-hmm. But then the past two weeks have just been night and day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think after the Seahawks game, there are so many people clamoring for Bugs to get back. And I know Hamza mentioned him. He, he got in for a sack today. Um, but yeah, there was just there's just a lot of good reps that Aleem McNeil had the past two weeks. And I'll be interested to see what his snap count was because that was that that's kind of the difference to me. Like um when you keep him when you keep him under like 50 snaps a game, I think he's a guy who can keep his motor going. And when you can get him on passing downs, like that's when it's critical, right? Like that's where we saw it tonight in such a big way. Him just being able to push that pocket up the middle and force Jordan Love to, to go left or go right. And like Jordan Love is a guy who can move around a little bit. And he, yeah, I, I, I would say that the, the, you know, the difference between him and Geno Smith, like I, I would consider Jordan Love to be a little bit more fleet of foot than, than even Geno Smith. And that wasn't, I mean, outside of the touchdown that he scored on the, the, you know, the scramble, like I, Jordan Love didn't do anything on his feet. Like, you know, so th- there's just something with this defense where when they have guys rested and they have them rotating in, Kaminsky's another guy. He got a sack today. Like, hmm. it- it's just when you get those guys cycling in and out and they can play and they can put pressure on the quarterback, it, it-, it all comes back to run defense, though, to me. Right. Yeah. Chris and-, and you and Jeremy talked about this, but like that entire unit their ability to just stop up the run and force these as, as, as Thompson pointed out, these young quarterbacks to take that extra beat, to, to have to read things as they progress downfield that that's putting, you know, that put Ritter at a huge disadvantage and to put love at a huge disadvantage tonight. Yeah. And um, the, even the play you mentioned where Jordan love scrambled for a touchdown, that wasn't even a scramble. It was a designed run against. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, you can't even put that on McNeil or anyone else. You mentioned rotation to Ryan and like you look at that at, at the DBs as well. Like Tracy Walker has, 
I feel bad for him. He really needs a pick at some point. He's making so much happening for other people. Jerry Jacobs got involved to it, but it's the same. It's, it's a nice philosophy across the entire defense that they've got enough pieces to rotate. And I'll be curious to see the snap counts on that. I do want to move over to the offense though, when talking about some of the standouts, because and, and maybe it's not as much. I know people are going to continually ask, where's Jameer Gibbs? Why isn't Jameer Gibbs getting more involved? But I want people to take a look at the offense and look at what David Montgomery has been doing. And we talked about him last segment as well. Like this run game is night and day when Montgomery is playing on the field because it's exactly what they need in those in those yardage situations to shut things down. To keep the to keep the clock running, that have nine minute drives where even though Lions fans are terrified of a two three score game, it doesn't matter because with Montgomery just powering forward, you've burned seven minutes off the clock. Yeah, I mean it's a testament to you know why the Lions paid the extra one and a half two million over Jamal Williams and. Um, why they continue to give him the rock over Gibbs and no knock on Gibbs physical ability by any means, but the way it looks to me is just Montgomery has that ability to see a hole before it opens. And when it does open, hit it immediately, whereas it takes Gibbs one or two extra steps. Um, and maybe that's just a product of him being young and, um, you know, being in a new system. Um, but he's able to turn those whatever zero yard gains into two, three yard gain, two, three yard gains, into six, seven yard gains, just keeps those legs turning. It's, it's incredible. Who stood out for you, Ryan, on the, on the offense? Who's the one you want to give a game ball to? I mean, we, we can't go the entire segment without talking about Sam Laporta, right? Like there, there's something about Sam Laporta's game that again, it's so eerily reminiscent to being like baby Gronk to me. Like, it's almost like in his motion after the catch, like Gronk had like an incredible stiff arm and Laporta had that on display to tonight. And the thing I loved about Sam tonight was it was his game was completely emblematic of everything that Dan Campbell said about him. And I think it was last week post game when, you know, he, he talked about, you know, Laporta being a guy who they can trust to not make the same mistake twice. And, and, and Sam had that one drop that he, he got his eyes upfield a little bit. He, he dropped that pass. But what did he do on the very same series on the, on the very same series, he makes that catch. Um, that, that's a big contested catch. And I, it, it's so emblematic of just like who this coaching staff thinks they have. And again, Hamza, it's another rookie who, you talk about steep learning curves on, on defense for Brian Branch when it comes to learning how to play three levels of the defense. You have Sam Laporta, who it's not just in the passing game. He's making incredible blocks to, to you know, help some of this stuff, you know, materia- materialize downfield. And I, I'm just so impressed with Laporta's ability to kind of have the tight end position not completely figured out, right? Like there's still room for growth, but I'm saying like this early for a position like tight end is really impressive. And I think, I mean, we're not far removed either from when that was something that haunted the Lions. I mean, something that came to mind for me is seeing last week, the Lions shut down Kyle Pitts, even if they didn't shut him down. He hasn't been getting targets this season. He's not a blocker that's capable of what even Sam Laporte is capable of. He was the eighth overall pick, if I'm remembering correctly, if not higher. Um, I mean, that's like three, four. Yeah. So really high. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was top five. Yeah. Falcons. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. And the Lions got this guy in the second round. He's like, 
it, talented players aren't able to do this. Smart players are not able to do this. And Sam Laporta is doing this, I mean, right off the bat. And that's, that's just incredible. And I mean, you look at it, even the blocking too, like functionally, we saw more of Brock Wright today. Brock Wright blocked well, but like functionally Sam Laporta has taken that away. The Lions don't need to bring in a blocking tight end because Sam Laporta is a blocking tight end. In addition to being number one receiver, in addition to being Jared Goff's safety net, um, in addition to being, you know, just a reliable guy who gets contested catches yards after the catch, uh, you know, doesn't have drops. It's, it's really just the complete package. I want to also shout out and it's not for his type of play, but I just, I, I think Brian, I think it's an attitude thing. It's hard for this guy not to just be the straight mascot for the Detroit lions. And he plays well. And I feel like we take it for granted, but um, I'm on raw St. Brown between blowing kisses to the Packers fans, to the Lambeau leap, to Lions fans sticking around with all the Lions fans after the game. And again, we've talked about this. There is a, there were a lot of Detroit fans who showed up. There was a lot of blue. There are videos out there from Justin Rogers and Ben Raven and all the rest of the Lions beat with how many people are in the stands. I think the Lions put out a picture as well. That kind of accentuates the blue. These are takeovers that are happening and they're not going to stop happening anytime soon this season. And more and more people are going to notice them as they happen. But St. Brown has taken it upon himself to almost be the that spiritual force for the fans to get the get them up and cheering and to go out there and interact with them. And again, this isn't a bit player doing it. This is one of their bona fide stars. This is the guy who, when you need yardage, Amon Ross St. Brown is out there to get get it from Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the one play to me that really stands out about Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm trying to remember exactly when it happened. There's just so many highlights running through my brain, but it was the play where he caught the ball over the middle and he actually went backwards to go forwards to get a first mm-hmm. down. And that was one of those plays that, to me, I don't think that they're one and the same. I think that there's a little bit more to Amon Ra's game, but it was really reminiscent of like Golden Tate, like in his ability, like after the catch, right? Like maybe he wouldn't necessarily, you know, he, I, they, they put up kind of similar numbers, like, it, but, but there's a difference between them. You know what I mean? But there was just that moment in that play where I was like, okay, like that, those were the plays that Golden Tate made where you said, this guy is such an important piece to what the Lions do on offense. And if you guys remember that final year, that Golden Tate was here, like Golden Tate, like was the offense. And then when he was dealt, it was, I mean, it was just the doldrums of, of Lions football for a while on offense. And, you know, the the one other thing I want to mention though, about Gibbs real quick, that motion that he was in to the whip route for the first down, like that's the fun stuff I want to see with Gibbs. And I know it's not an explosive play, but it was an important play. You know what I mean? Picking up that first down, keeping the drive going along, like that's more of the fun stuff I want to see. I know that I know that they want to try to set up these delays and they want to try to set up these these inside runs where if they can make a hole, it'll be it'll be really easy for him to hit daylight, right, Hamza? Like if he can if he can find that hole, right? If it can materialize in the way where he can plant and go, that's what they're waiting for. And it almost seems to me like I mean, he had eight carries for 40 yards. Like, let's not let's not get it twisted. Like, he's a guy who's always going to be measured by efficiency rather than volume in my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so obvious for David Montgomery, who had 30 plus carries. <laughs> Even Tom Pelissero didn't think that was going to happen, Hamza. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, I fully agree. I, I couldn't say it any better. Fully agree there. Uh, I do want to give kudos, though, on that note. Um, Frank Ragnow, absolutely, like, we we so taken for granted. And amid, oh, like, yeah. even, like, even last week, Penny Sewell struggled in the running. Frank Ragnow shows up week in, week out. If someone to the left of him is injured, he picks up the slack. If someone to the right of him is injured, he picks up the slack. And that's so important to have at the center position where you can open up the lanes either way. And we saw it today, you know, the guards play well. It allows them to peel up to the second level. I mean, how many, you know, third and three, fourth and three handoffs were there? I, I remember one in particular to Gibbs. It was like fourth and three, I think. They hand the ball to Gibbs and it's – Everyone, Packers and Lions, is at the yellow line on the screen already. They're two and a half, three yards upfield. Um, and Frank Ragnall is seven yards downfield, ready to just chug along. I mean, he he makes it happen, um, especially when you consider the injuries the Lions have had. Like it does if you have a liability at center, I remember we we had that little gap between um, what was it, Dominic Rayola, and then who was the guy who came afterwards to retire because of concussions? And then after that, there was a little bit uh, of a Travis Swanson. Travis Swanson, right. There's a gap after that. And it was just like every time the lines were in a pocket, rush or pass, it's just a little V up the middle. And like we so take it for granted that it's just rock solid. Even that St. Brown touchdown to kick things off, like he had a huge hole to run up. He had a huge hole that the offensive line had already pushed the Packers way downfield on. And I think that takes it back to something I posted. And it's, it's something I don't know if we keep, if we've hit it on enough on this podcast, but the future of the NFL is the past in that in, I mean by that, that it's built on the trenches. It's been built on offense line, defense line. We've known this for a while. It's always talked about in certain ways, but I think there's people out there who still don't understand what you mean when you say that, that you prioritize that over everything else. And the lions are patient zero for that. And that's how they won this game. And that's how they're going to continue to win a lot of more games, but we've got to get out of here because I know I've got to hand the zoom back to uh, Jeremy in a couple of minutes. I I know you want to talk about the kicking. I know you want to talk about it's offense. I promise it's offense. Okay. Okay. Real, real quick. Cause I do, we do need to get out of here. We are getting told like to wrap it up. Okay. Absolutely. Insane catches today. The one down the sideline, the other one where he's completely stretched out. Sorry. Say the name again. Say the name again. Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, but the catches he made were such high quality catches. We don't give him enough credit. He's just, he shows up week in week out. I got to give him love. That's all. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll talk more about him on the Monday podcast. I know uh, Ryan will be there. Um, We'll do it Monday or Sunday or something. We'll do a full sized one treatment of this game, plus more of the season to come here. As we do, we like to divide up the season to quarters, right, Ryan? And we just passed the first quarter three and one. Go loins. Go loins. loins. We'll see you back here over the weekend. Have more reactions throughout here. We have more coming your way on pride of Detroit.com. As always, we will see you star side. Okay.